Hi there, everyone. Lars Hammer here from Lord of Grace Lutheran Church in Marana, Arizona. Welcome back to my online video series of little Bible studies that I'm calling Spiritual Gifts and Spiritual Encounters. What I'm doing is walking through biblical passages where people encounter God personally, where they have visions or dreams, where they have personal experiences of God's presence. And I'm piggybacking it a little bit with a sermon series that I'm doing on Sunday mornings, talking about spiritual gifts. I encourage you to check that out as well. But here I'm go going to look a little bit more into the biblical texts and at some of the background behind that. I hope that they'll be useful for you in your own spiritual journeys, that you'll be able to get some insights into ways in which uh, we encounter God and ways in which the God, God works with us in our lives. So, today we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to jump a little bit. We used to be at Moses. And we spent a few days talking about Moses, who had many encounters with God. Now we're jumping to the prophet Elijah, and we're hundreds of years ahead of time. And Elijah is a prophet who was very zealous for the Lord. That was his phrase. He, I am zealous for the Lord of hosts. And Elijah was so zealous that what he was trying to do was prevent Israel for merging its religion with the pagan religion of the Phoenicians, the people up north. What had happened was the Jewish king had married a pagan queen, and the pagan queen, whose name was Jezebel, yes, that Jezebel, uh, that you, uh, and Jezebel's plan was to merge the two kingdoms by merging their gods, which was actually a pretty common thing back then. The idea was the more gods, the merrier. Right? Especially for those from a pagan background, you could just pile on gods and stack them all up. It was no big deal. It was commonplace. But for the prophet Elijah and for the Lord, the Lord has always demanded that he be the only one you worship. That the Lord God be the only God you have. That, you, that he not be just one more God on a shelf of lots of gods. And that he won't uh, tolerate to use a stronger word. Worship where he, worship of the Lord is mixed with worship of gods like Baal. And so what ends up happening is Elijah, through a whole series of events, ends up destroying a bunch of altars to Baal and killing a bunch of their prophets. Yes, he, he was a murderer. He was not a nice guy, the prophet Elijah. But he was trying to be zealous for the Lord. This was his understanding of what was zealous. God did not command him to go kill the Baal prophets, all 60 of them, but Elijah did it on his own. He, he went full bore. He was that zealous. Uh, he was almost kind of an, you might call him an extremist today, right? You know, if God says, don't worship pagan idols, and then uh, Elijah says, okay, therefore I will destroy their altars and kill the prophets, he's taking it one step farther than God had mandated, but he does. Well, obviously, Queen Jezebel is not happy with this, puts a hit out on Elijah, demands he be executed. So Elijah freaks out and he runs. He runs away and he doesn't know where to go. He feels like he's the only one left and he takes off into the, he goes and takes off and sits down under a tree, the story goes. And he sits down under a broom tree and he says, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, 
for I am no better than my ancestors. So he sits there, he's, he's kind of bottomed out. He's having to live with his con the consequences of his extreme behavior, that now he's going to be on the run. And he decides that, you know, I've had enough. I tried to do what I thought was the right thing, and so now I'm done. And he goes and he runs. But God doesn't leave him there. God doesn't leave him there to die. He says it's enough, take away my life, but God doesn't take away his life. And so then it says he takes off for 40 days and 40 nights. So he separates himself from civilization. He separates himself from the kingdom and the politics and, and the ordinary stresses that he's going through in his life. He separates himself for 40 days and 40 nights and then goes up the mountain. This is that familiar theme again, right? Where the person leaves the stress of society and whatever they're going through and goes up on this mountain, physically removes themselves from what's going on. And so he goes away and he, it says he goes to Mount Horeb, the Mount of God, and he goes into a cave and he spends the night there. And then God comes to him. And so he spends the night there and the Lord comes and speaks to him. And he says, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So they're just like, oh, all right, God, if you're going to, you're going to, I'm going to get a sighting here. So he gets out. And um, now there was a great wind, it says. We're up to verse 11. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. So there's two themes here I want to highlight for us to look at. The first one is this idea of getting away from the urgent stresses. There's a phrase I remember somebody explain, telling me uh, called the tyranny of the urgent. And they were talking about when you schedule your work week. This was the con that context. That they said when you schedule your work week, what you want to be doing most of your time on are the things that are forward thinking, visionary, forward moving, creative. You, you, you want to you, you, you make progress in what you're doing, right? If you're in a leadership role, you want to move the organization or the group or the, 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 the staff or the division. You want to move that forward. And you want to have your goals. We're not just going to make as this much. We're going to make that much more. You know, if you're a church leader, you don't want to just take care of business. You want to keep, always keep moving the church forward and moving the church outward. And so, but what holds us back a lot of the time, maybe even most of the time, are those urgent things that press on us all the time, those urgent demands, those things that have to get taken care of. And a lot of times they're very mundane things. You know, the emails, the, the staff problems, the, the, the deadlines, the reports, the paperwork, all those things. And sometimes you can get so many of those that it gets hard to do any sort of forward thinking. It gets hard to ever get your mind clear. When you walk into the office and you sit down 
and you've got so many emails to go through and so much to answer, how can you have time to come up with a creative plan, to have a creative project, to do creative writing? If all you're doing is spending so much time and energy taking care of the stressful things, it's hard to come up with the ability to be creative. And people have said this is one of the things that can be a, a, a real difficulty if you are living in stress. And right now, of course, we've got lots of people living in lots of stress, right? And the principle is that if you are, say, uh, worried about getting uh, evicted from your apartment, if you've lost your job and you're worried about eviction and you don't know where your next meal is coming from and you don't know what next job you're going to have and that is an incredible amount of stress and say you've even got now you've got kids thrown into the picture and how are you going to take care of them and maybe they're acting out so that's another stress and all those stressors demand your attention and they demand it now and so it's hard to sit and lecture somebody in that situation about why aren't you developing a five-year plan? Why aren't you saving money better? It's hard to do that when you, you gotta get through the day, the week, when you're worried about where am I gonna be sleeping at the end of the month? The tyranny of the urgent takes over and it can take us over even if we're not in an actual desperation. We can, we can end up getting taken over by the tyranny of the urgent simply because we don't, aren't good at saying no. You know, somebody in the office wants this, somebody at home wants this, all these people wanting all these things from us. And we feel like we need to take care of those things instead of stepping back and saying no. So the urgent things take over and take over and the stresses take us over. And if you don't manage them well, and you let that happen after a certain point, it can be understandable that you'd want to say, you know what, I'm done, I've had enough. And that's a little bit where Elijah is. Although the stress is a large part for him, self-created. But he's gotten to that point where he says, I, I just cannot go any farther, I'm done. And so he gets away. He doesn't hear the voice of God until after he's sort of given up and after he spent 40 days and 40 nights just sitting there. And then, then what happens? God says, now I'm going to appear to you, so get outside. So he runs outside and we have this scene, right, where there's three different things that happen. There's the wind that breaks rocks, there's the earthquake, and there's a fire. And every time Elijah's listening, is God in the earthquake or the fire or the wind? And he's listening to these natural events, uh, expecting God to be somehow in the natural event, and God isn't. And it's as if, it's as if he, he went through all that stuff and then sat there and there was, God still wasn't there. And it never says exactly why that was the case. But I can't help but wonder if God isn't sending Elijah a little bit of a message. That, that he's still uh, looking for God in nature. That, that the nature itself is speaking to him. The wind is the message. 
But the truth is the wind is just a part of a creation and the fire is part of the creation. And the earthquake is just a part of the creation that God made. We don't worship the nature, we worship the God who made the nature. We don't worship the elements, we worship the God who made the elements. It was Elijah's opponents, the Baal worshipers, who believed that the God Baal spoke in thunder and wind and fire. But Elijah's got to kind of deprogram himself. He's falling into the same trap as his opponents. And this has been one of those, another one of those points that I, you know, I know I bring up a lot. And that is this idea that, you know, when we go out in nature, it isn't nature that's, nature isn't God. And the nature itself isn't necessarily speaking God's word. It's that when we are in nature, we have removed ourselves from society, from the distractions, from the stresses, from the tyranny of the urgent. And being in nature allows us to begin to have a sensitivity to the spiritual things, a sensitivity to what's around us, an ability to listen to God, that calm, still voice that's speaking to us, but that we're not hearing because all we're hearing is the ding of emails. And so it, when we, we go out in nature, it isn't that the nature is God's word, it's that in nature, we can find the peace to be able to listen to God's word. And so this is often why they talk about the need to find some way to step back and remove yourself from just the stresses. And I've heard everything from some very practical suggestions. Uh, who was it? Was it Susie Orman who says you should check your emails at the end of the day? Just a very mundane one. But spend your day, plan out your day with all the work and deal with all the emails that demand this and that of you. Get to that towards the end because your best thinking is in the beginning. However you do it, and I know this is always a tall order, but oftentimes, we don't experience God because we can't put aside the tyranny of the urgent, even for a while. And, we have a, and yet, often what gets us to the point where we listen to God and we're open to listening to God is when we sort of get to wit's end and we're so utterly exhausted or worn out by the tyranny of the urgent and worn out by the stresses that at that point we stop and we listen. And so it says, now in verse 12, when Elijah heard it, this was the sheer silence. When Elijah heard the sheer silence, isn't that an interesting phrase? He heard the sheer silence. It's like the not noise was so loud. He wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. It's almost like the sheer silence was so sheer that it had to be something. Then there came a voice to him that said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then he answered and he gave his thing. I've been zealous for you. I threw down those altars. I stood up for you. And then the Lord gives him his message. Go back into town and um, go find these people who in fact uh, have also not worshiped pagan idols. So you're not really alone. Find the other people who are with you 
and the other people who are faithful. And then what I'm gonna do, Elijah, is help you appoint a successor. So then find someone else who can take on some of this burden for you. But it's, it's after he gets to that sheer silence. The sheer silence can be loud. That's an interesting idea too. And think on that for a while. What would happen if you really truly sat in sheer silence? My guess is the roar of all the voices in your head about the, tyranny, uh, about the urgent things, all that tyranny of the urgent, all those things would start cycling through your head and you'd have to kind of detox of them after a while because all, all your thoughts are so consumed by the stresses that when you finally stop with those and you can listen, the sound of the silence will be so strong it will be deafening. The sound of silence, as Paul Simon says, right? So, remember that in spiritual encounters, that often there's a detox from the tyranny of the urgent that we need to do, so that, and a separation, so that we can open ourselves up to experiencing the Lord, so that we can just listen to the Lord, so that we can be. All right, well, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, make sure to catch us on Sunday mornings as we talk more about spiritual gifts. And I will be doing some more of these videos uh, coming up. I'll be posting them on Facebook and YouTube. So thanks a lot, everyone, and have a great day. God bless.